Well, if you would take your Bible, open your Bible to Philippians. We are now in chapter 4. And uh, today we only have two verses we're going to look at together, but I'm going to back up and read verse 1 so that we get the context of these two verses we have. So, this is the word of the Lord. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, um, we ask that you would help us um, to understand your word this morning. You, you have chosen to preserve this little section of Paul's letter for us to read. And uh, we're curious why. <laughs> and I, I pray that you would help us not only to understand it, but to hear you encourage us in Christ this morning. Um, help us to understand what it might mean for us to agree with one another in the Lord. Only your spirit can do that. Through your word, we ask for that in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that every year it seems like folks are more and more cynical about Thanksgiving, particularly when it comes to getting together with family. Uh, here are a couple of Thanksgiving memes that I came across this week. Listen to this one. This one says, Thanksgiving is a time to count your blessings one by one as each relative goes home. Wow, that's so cynical. Uh, you remember the TV show Friends? Somebody on Friends once said, well, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without a little emotional scarring. And then this one by a writer in The New Yorker, he said, for those of you who cannot be with family this Thanksgiving, please resist the urge to brag. Now, why would you want to brag that you can't be with your family? Perhaps it's because when families get together, sometimes they come face to face with conflict and disagreement that they have that they may not have had to think about the rest of the year. And in 2020, we've had a whole lot more uh, for families to disagree about. And so maybe some folks this year are a little more anxious about getting together, and maybe some folks are happy that COVID will keep them from having to be with their family members. I don't know. I don't know where you are. But, but Paul is going to remind us today that just as you and I can get sideways with some of our family members um, over trivial things over important things, we also, as members of the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can get sideways with each other too about things that are trivial and some things that are very important. 
It happens all the time. And this is apparently the case with these two sisters in Christ in the church at Philippi. They're not biological sisters. They're sisters in Christ, but they're in conflict with one another. Paul says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So there's, there's some sort of disagreement here. And Paul doesn't say what it is. It's apparently not a disagreement on some sort of essential doctrinal matter or theological matter or some fundamental uh, piece of the gospel. Otherwise, Paul would address it. He does that in other letters. So when it comes to the fundamentals of the gospel, if there's disagreement, Paul is going to tell you how to think about it. But he doesn't do that here. So we don't think it's it's that kind of disagreement. We're not sure what it was, but it was apparently something that didn't have to divide them or Paul wouldn't tell them they need to be reconciled. Whatever the disagreement was could be overcome or Paul would not have told them to overcome it. It's apparently also something that everybody knows about in the Philippian church or Paul wouldn't address it publicly as he does in this letter. Um, it, so it had already created some relational ripples in the church and Paul felt like it's time to address this. And perhaps as such conflicts often do, it had already begun to potentially divide the Philippian church. Maybe there was Team Euodia and Team Syntyche, you know, some, you know how it goes. You, you have a disagreement with somebody and you go talk to your friends and family about the disagreement and they go and talk to theirs. You talk to some people in your small group about it. They talk to some people in their small group about it and suddenly some sides are being drawn up here. Um, and maybe this is why we've already seen Paul emphasize over and over again unity and relationships already in the first three chapters before we even get to this specific instance. He's been talking about it a lot. So whatever this disagreement was, it was deep and lasting. It was so deep and so lasting that the news of it had traveled all the way to Rome to Paul in a prison. And Paul in a prison in Rome feels like he needs to address it. It seemed good to Paul to include this plea to particular people in this letter that would be read in every house church in Philippi. And that, and the, mind you, there's one church in Philippi. They meet in separate houses. So Euodia and Syntyche, it's not like they could move and go to another church. <laughs> it doesn't matter which house church you choose to go to, Euodia and Syntyche, you're going to hear this letter from Paul, and he's going to call you out. Be thankful that I'm not doing that here. I wouldn't know who to call out right now. So so they can't hide from each other, but it seemed good to Paul to include it in his letter to them. But it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to include it and preserve it for every church throughout the generations until now to read and hear about these two women who didn't agree with each other. And Paul's plea to them to agree in the Lord. And I think he's doing this because he wants us to learn from this example of how to handle conflict between members of God's family. So here's what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us through Paul this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
there is something we can always agree on with other believers. There's something we can always agree on with other believers. There's two things I want us to talk about this morning. Let me tell you what they are, and then we'll dive into them. First, we can agree, if we will agree with Paul, that conflict with a number, another member of God's family is serious. And it requires serious attention by those who are involved. So we can agree, conflict with another brother or sister in Christ is serious and requires serious attention. But then we can also agree that there's something deeper than our differences that binds us together. There is something different, deeper than our differences that binds us together. So first, we can agree that conflict between believers is serious. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I entreat you, Odia. I entreat Syntyche. That word entreat literally means I beg. I beg you, you Odia. I beg you, Syntyche. You can hear Paul's passion is serious enough that he would beg them to agree in the Lord. It's serious enough that he would call them out by name. So apparently the general generic calls to unity that we've read so far in Philippians were not enough. Now he starts naming names. Paul is saying it's gone on long enough. It's done enough damage. And he's begging these sisters to end this conflict to be reconciled. Here's the question you've been waiting for. Are you in conflict with another brother or sister in Christ? No matter what level of conflict is, it is. Perhaps it's gotten to the point where you don't speak to one another. Perhaps it's gotten to the point where you avoid each other when you see each other at Pruitt's. Perhaps it's gotten to the point where you, you, you don't want to be in the same small group together or whatever. I don't know. But are you in conflict with somebody? And it may not be with someone in this church. It could be a brother and sister in Christ who are husband and wife could be a parent-child conflict, even an adult parent, an adult child. But you're believers. That's, remember, I'm talking about people who are believers in Jesus in conflict. Could be someone, uh, a, a Christian at work. Could be a Christian at school. Could be that one of you has a conflict with me that I'm not aware of. It could be that one of you has a conflict with another staff member or an elder or deacon or somebody could be with a neighbor, could be with someone at another church. Are you in conflict with another brother and sister in Christ? If so, take it seriously. It's gone on long enough. It's done enough damage. And then give this serious problem some serious attention by agreeing that you're both part of the problem and the solution. You're both part of the problem and the solution. Paul says, I entreat, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. He's, he's directing his begging at each woman individually, not to them as a couple. He uses the verb entreat with both of them. He's addressing each of them as responsible parties. Both are a part of the problem. They're both at fault somehow. 
They're both in need of exhortation and correction from Paul. They both need to repent of their pride or stubbornness or self-righteousness or whatever it is. They're both part of the solution, though. They both need to work on this relationship. They both are responsible to be ready to forgive. They're both responsible to make the first move toward reconciliation. That's why Paul is addressing both of them equally. Paul doesn't talk about who's more responsible, who started this. He simply calls on them both to be responsible and reconcile with one another. Now, if Euodia and Syntyche could, by God's grace, recognize how serious it is for God's family members to be in this kind of conflict, and if they could, by God's grace, admit their own part of the problem and their own responsibility to be part of the solution, then perhaps also by God's grace, they would recognize they don't have the resources to do this. If they would at least admit their own responsibility as part of the problem and their responsibility to reconcile, then maybe they would come face to face with the fact that I don't, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I have the resources to reconcile. And then, if they come to that place by God's grace, then they would understand what Paul is trying to say to them next. Where will they get the resources they need to reconcile? He says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So Euodia and Syntyche agree on this. You both have something deeper than your differences that binds you together. Agree in the Lord. Because listen, so far you're both so focused on your horizontal differences with one another that you've forgotten what you have in common vertically. You have Jesus in common, sisters. So stop looking at each other and start looking up at the Lord. Stop waiting for the other one to repent. Stop waiting for the other one to apologize. Stop waiting for the other one to take the first step. And you look to Jesus and agree in him. What does that mean, to agree in the Lord? That, the word that is translated in this verse, agree, Paul has used it 10 times in Philippians. Um, it means to have the same mind. Paul is saying, have the same mind in the Lord. Have the same mind in the Lord, Euodia and Syntyche. When my kids were at Hebron High School in Carrollton, Texas, they were all in the band. Each one played a different instrument. And sometimes the band would gather together with the school's orchestra, and they would do a large concert together. And I noticed each time that I went to one of these band orchestra concerts that um, they'd all be shuffling around, and once they got settled, it would get quiet. And then the oboe would play a note. And then everybody else would start playing that note and tuning themselves to the oboe. And when each of those instruments tuned themselves to the oboe, then they became tuned to each other. That's what Paul's trying to say. 
Euodia and Syntyche, tune yourselves to Jesus and then you will be in tune with each other. And then you will make beautiful music together. It will no longer be a cacophony, it will be a symphony. And what will it sound like when these two women tune themselves to Jesus and are then in tune with each other? Well, Paul's already told them in chapter two, he said, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. That's it. That's the word agree. Be of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. There's that word again, in agreement. When you both tune your hearts to his encouragement, when you both tune your hearts to the comfort you have from his love, to the fellowship you have in his spirit, to his affection and sympathy for you as a sinner in need of grace, then you will be able to make beautiful music together, Euodia and Syntyche. You'll be able to play the notes of his encouragement to one another. You'll be able to give the comfort from his love to one another. You'll be able to participate in the fellowship of his spirit with one another. And you'll be able to show his affection and sympathy to one another as sinners in need of his grace. But you can't do it unless... You agree in the Lord, you're tuned to him. And then like that orchestra, when all of us are tuned to Jesus, all of us playing the parts he's given us, we won't clash. No, we will do what Paul goes on to say. We'll do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. What would an orchestra sound like if everybody thought they were playing the solo at the same time? If everybody was looking for the spotlight? Paul says, let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind, here he says it again, this agreement. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. It's already yours in Christ Jesus. Tune yourself to Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, took the form of a servant and humbled himself to die on a cross for you, Euodia, for you, Syntyche. Tune yourselves to that Jesus. Have the same mind in him. So Paul is telling us that no matter the differences that divide us, we have something we can all agree on because we have someone we can agree in. The Lord Jesus is our resource for resolving our conflict with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But Paul knows the human heart and he knows that sometimes we'll need help <laughs> from someone, a third party who will help us agree in the Lord. And so he says... I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Now, we don't know who the true companion is. There's all kinds of speculation. It doesn't help to go there. But someone in this church, Paul, is asking to help these two women agree in the Lord. That true companion, Paul's description is, it literally means a loyal yoke fellow. 
And in describing him as a loyal yoke fellow, he's giving us a description of the kind of person who could help these two women agree in the Lord. It's somebody who knows what it means to be yoked together with someone else. You know, a yoke, it's that, that big wooden piece that has cutouts to go on the neck of oxen number one and oxen number two, so that these two oxen are yoked together and they are bound together to pull in the same direction. That's the vision that Paul has for Euodia and Syntyche. He wants them to be bound together in the Lord, pulling again in the same direction because they're not doing it right now. And so he calls on this loyal yoke fellow to come alongside them. Here's a guy who knows what it means to yoke together with another believer. This is a person who knows how to help two brothers and sisters in Christ reconcile and agree together in the Lord. And so I ask you, do you need help? (laughs) Do you need help with this conflict? This is what God has provided for us in the body of Christ, the resource of yoke fellows who will help us. Reach out for help if it's beyond you. Call me. Talk to an elder. Talk to somebody in your small group or your Bible study. Well, then Paul goes on to paint this vision of yoking together in their minds again by reminding them that they've done it before. He says, these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. So he calls on this mediator, this third party, and he calls on Euodia and Syntyche, and he calls on the whole church to remember how these two women once labored side by side together with him in the gospel. Now, we're not sure when that was, but it was most likely when the church was first planted. Go back to Acts 16, but remember there was a group of women, one of whom was Lydia, a group of women who met at the riverside to pray, and Paul preached the gospel to them. Lydia believed perhaps Euodia and Syntyche were part of that original group of women who came to Christ, but whoever they were, they apparently helped Paul preach the gospel and plant the church in Philippi. And he's reminding them, do you remember those days when we were yoked together side by side for the sake of the gospel? Had they forgotten that their common calling to make disciples was deeper than their current disagreement? I was told, I wasn't there, but I was told that in a recent meeting, uh, leadership meeting of our home repair ministry, that uh, this conversation took place. One of the brethren of the hammer said, you know, all of us have different political stances. Some of us are Republicans, some of us are Democrats, some of us are members of a third political party but let's make this commitment to one another. We are not going to let politics divide us. We are going to stay together in our mission to show and tell the gospel of Jesus to the least and last on Signal Mountain and beyond. That conversation was held. That's what Paul is after with Euodia and Syntyche. We're not gonna let these other differences we have, which are important, 
but they're not as deep and as important as the mission we've been called to together in the gospel. We're not going to let those things divide us. That's what he's calling them to. And then finally, Paul not only reminds them of where they've been together in the gospel, but he reminds them of where they're all going to be together forever. He says, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He's saying, Euodia, Syntyche, Clement, me, the rest of our fellow workers, Timothy, Epaphroditus, all of us, our names are written in the book of life. Now, what is that? What is that about? Jesus once told his disciples, do not rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. And the only other place in the New Testament that the book of life is mentioned is the book of Revelation. And in that book, John says that there are those whose names have been written, he says, before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. And he says later that at the end of time, the only ones who will enter the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, the only ones who will enter there are only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So Paul is reminding them, remember, Euodia and Syntyche, you and all of us together, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, my question is, how is that helpful? (laughs) How would it help them to remember that both of their names are written in the Lamb's book of life? How is that going to help them to agree together in the Lord? Well, in order to have your name written in the book of life, the Lamb of God, Jesus, had to be slain for you. That means that you were an enemy of God. It means that you were someone with whom God had a serious conflict. And in this conflict, only one party was right and the other party was clearly wrong. I'll let you figure out who was right and who was wrong in this conflict. But God, who had done nothing wrong to you, made the first move. He shed the blood of his lamb, his son, so that you could be reconciled to him. He didn't need to be reconciled to you. Jesus, the lamb, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but moved toward you by taking on the form of a servant, coming in human flesh to suffer and die to bring you into fellowship with God. So if your name and the name of that Christian brother or sister are written in the book of life, you both have this to agree on. I am a sinner who deserves God's anger but has received his forgiveness, received his mercy, received his kindness. He made the first move toward me. And it was a move that required humility and caused him pain. In fact, it cost him dearly. It cost him his life. And so friends, because we have someone to agree in, we can come to this family meal together today and set aside our differences and feast together on the lamb who was slain for us. Thanks be to God. Father.
would you impress upon us that those things we disagree with, whether they're trivial or extremely important to us, do not go as deep as the gospel goes, that our deepest agreement is in Jesus. And would you help us to agree with Paul that conflict with a brother and sister in Christ is serious and must be taken seriously and that we must admit our own part and that we must tune ourselves to the one who reconciled us to himself through Jesus. Would you help us to be that kind of church? <laughs> we are, but help us to continue to maintain the unity that we have in Christ. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.